There was a book, and of course now I'm, I'm so embarrassed, I can't remember the name of it. I read probably 25 years ago, and the saying I remember from it was, if you have high tech, you need high touch. What that means is you can't, you can't let things get so cold. You've got to have that touching of humans. You've got to reach out to people. You, you can't let it just be all cold, hard technology. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris Powers, and I want to thank you for joining me on the Fort Podcast today. This show is an open-ended discussion and journey covering real estate, business, entrepreneurship, and investing. I would love to hear from you by tweeting me at Fort Worth Chris on Twitter. Hey guys, it's Chris. Thank you for joining me on the fort today. I'm really excited to have Linda Day Harrison with me today. Uh, Linda has had a long career in commercial real estate. She is the founder of thebrokerlist.com, which is the first free commercial real estate platform connecting brokers, deals, services, and vendors. She has a 25-year career with experience in suburban and central business district office and mixed-use properties. She was named the top 20 female leaders and influencers in the 2018 Women in Commercial Real Estate Tech, and so much more. So, Linda, thank you so much for joining me today. Sure. I'm honored that I was even invited. Yes, I, I scouted you out all the way from Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, your name, your name <laughs> rings true down here. Oh, good! I love Texas. I own property in Texas too, so I love Texas. <laughs> Where do you own property? In the Woodlands. Oh, good! Just north of Houston. Yeah. Well, let's just start out with kind of the two-minute cliff note version of your story and and your career so far, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Well, I got into real estate by accident. I remember when I was very, very young and going to college and didn't know what I wanted to do. And it was one of those, somebody knew somebody and my mom told somebody, oh, my daughter's looking for a job. And I think that's what's funny about our industry is that people don't always plan to go into the industry, but I got lucky. And a friend of a friend knew somebody and it happened to be a CPM. And she referred me and I met them and went on the interview. And I, my first job in, in real estate was in a, in a property management office. And I was working at the front desk and I fell in love with the business. I loved it. And the first thing I did was got my real estate license and the rest is history. I started, you know, I got into a mixed use project, which was office and a residential downtown Chicago high rise. I always worked in the high rises in the city. And I just embraced it, loved the fast pace, loved everything about it. Basically stuck with it for 30 years. And what happened was I wound up, and all, always through that whole, my whole career, I always led the charge of technology back in the day. And remember when I started out, we were using pencils and, and, and sheets of green bar tablets to, to write out financial information. So I come from the old school days to the new school days. And when I made the transition into technology, it was sort of a natural for me. I had some family changes that required me to relocate. So I left Chicago after living there my whole life. And that's a very long story how I started the broker list. But the bottom line is I started the broker list because it was always in my blood to be in front of the brokers for my properties. 
and to always make sure the the brokers knew what spaces I had available in my offices and always knew what spaces I had available in my retail. So the, my big job was to stay in front of the brokers. And it was a natural for me to say, wait a minute, there's nowhere for people to do that. And that's how the broker list was born. Oh, it's a great story. The how, how did you, before we get into more of the broker list, and uh, you said it's a long story of how it got started. Uh, I'm sure oh. a lot of our <laughs> listeners are uh, younger and have been in a world where technology has always been um, around. How did you get your properties and available spaces in front of brokers kind of before the internet or before, you know, we take it for granted now, but I'd imagine it was a, a totally yeah. different way of doing it back then. Oh, totally. The number one thing is obviously in my, in my world was I would treat the brokers like gold. In other words, the brokers were my friends. The brokers were somebody that you had to know. You had to get to know them. You had to take care of them. I would do everything to make them feel so welcome, which I know is the opposite of a lot of owners and properties and just go out of my way to keep them informed. I, I would do back in the day, we, we had to do way back when we had to do mailing, which is old school, but I'm sorry. I still think it could be applicable today. If I had a property, I would probably be using mailings. We did postcards. We did flyers. We did back in the day, we did broadcast faxing because we didn't have email like we have now. And then, believe it or not, I remember when it evolved to emails, when, when one office would have one email address, believe it or not, it was, oh, yes, this office does have an email address, <laughs> wow. but very few. Yes, it was one email address per office. And then it started to expand. So now we're starting to have to track email addresses, which was new for our industry. So, of course, Excel came into play where we had spreadsheets and, and, and computers. So now we could actually put the brokers on a spreadsheet, have columns for what they focused in. Were they suburban? Were they downtown? Were they retail? Were they office? We would have to track their specialty. And then we would have their fax number. We'd have their email address, their address. And we had to do all of it manually. There weren't any tools like there are today. Eventually, we started to get databases where we could merge merge the data, and we started to get like word processing programs where we could merge their information. And of course, when email took off, it was just like a dream come true for us because of the the manual labor. I mean, we used to have to print labels out and stick labels on postcards and envelopes. And to me, that would still be applicable today, but. When email started, it was wonderful because I even remember the brokers would comment and say, you do such a good job of keeping us informed. You really do because every it was like a discipline. Every Monday, like send them an email and say, okay, this is what's available today. Kind of just like a weekly report. You know, these are the spaces we have available or, you know, this is what we can do with these spaces. We can divide them. We can, we can add them to other spaces or whatever you're, you can do. We would do that. And, and then we had events. We always had some kind of broker activities. If we had, if, a, if it was a building that had a restaurant in it or a building that had a bar in it, we would have just like a broker, you know, come and meet everybody, come and just have a free drink or come and get in a raffle. Believe it or not, that was popular back then. And we'd gather them. We'd bring them together and give them free food, free drink, whatever you can think of. You're making me jealous that I wasn't a tenant rep broker back in the 80s in Chicago. Right. 
Oh, I know. I know. Oh, my God. They had events that were so elaborate. I mean, some of the buildings are really big properties that had huge lease up, you know, initiatives would have like, you know, we're raffling off a Harley Davidson motorcycle or we're raffling, raffling off a trip to Hawaii. I mean, they would be elaborate and major events. But I, but my properties were probably in the middle tier. They weren't always, they weren't like brand new lease ups from the ground up, but they were like existing buildings that had vacant space, but we still did events. And I'm trying to think of what else were some of the things we did. Oh, every showing, every single showing I did, I would always have, depending on what time of the day it was, I would, you know, bring the brokers in and I'd have a conference room. And I always had either in the morning, I'd have sweet rolls and coffee and juices and things for them if they were hungry. Or if it was during, you know, like lunchtime, we'd have some snacks. Or if it was towards the end of the day, we'd have, you know, something little chocolates or water. Always made them feel like it was a red carpet. You know, like you are a VIP and we want to, you know, make you comfortable and kind of roll out the red carpet for them. And then we would always like assemble our team and say, we're going to bring like the engineer with us. We're going to bring security with us. And we would walk, walk with them, like and answer all their questions, you know, whatever questions they had and make them feel like this was like a really big deal. And I think it made a difference. No, I mean, so many of those lessons are, you still see a lot of that today. There's some things that technology can't replace like face-to-face and uh, a good experience. And I know I would have been touring your buildings if that was around. Right. And, and make you feel welcome. Yeah. I think technology, sometimes we, I'm not saying we get lazy because of it, but uh, we forget the importance of, of being face-to-face. I'm, I'm a bit of a contrarian in, in today's world, believing that the way that humans have been forever and uh, the the willingness to interact in person is is not going away. It might be on pause right now more than others, but I think it'll be more important than ever as, as we move forward. Right. And I, there was a book, and I, of course, now I'm, I'm so embarrassed, I can't remember the name of it. I read probably 25 years ago. And the saying I remember from it was, if you have high tech, you need high touch. What that means is you can't, you can't let things get so cold. You've got to have that touching of humans. You've got to, and I don't mean that touching physically, but you've got to reach out to people. You, you can't let it just be all cold, hard technology. So you kind of said that, uh, so you, you were the queen of, of office leasing in Chicago, and then you moved to Las Vegas, Nevada, where you said it's a long story how you started the brokers list, which after the story that you just told us makes perfect sense of why you created it. Can you walk us through like how the idea came about and um, how you built it? Yeah, I, I always give credit to LinkedIn. I've been on LinkedIn since 04. That's a long time. I remember the person that invited me to LinkedIn. It was one of my architects. He said, Lindy, you've got to get, his name was Tom. He said, Lindy, you've got to get on LinkedIn. I'm like, what's that? I'm thinking, Tom, the architect thinks I should, I guess I better do it. You know, so I did it and nobody was on it. I think when I got on it, there may have been less than a million people on there at the time, which is very small. And I started to know, and also I was a CPM and a CCIM. And I remember back then when I was on LinkedIn, I would get a lot of people reaching out to me saying, 
oh, do you know anybody in this market or do you know anybody, you know, whatever it was. And most of the time I did not know them because I'm in Chicago. And back then everything was so local. It it wasn't as much of a global world where you knew a lot of people all over the place. You would if you went to like conferences and stuff, but it wasn't as much that your clients were bringing you across the country as it is today. So when I started getting all these inquiries, it kind of hit me. And I thought, you know what? Everybody's doing the same thing. Everybody's got their own broker list. Everybody's doing what we've been doing for decades, which is tracking brokers and you know finding out who does what. And every single office and every single owner, every company is doing the same thing. That is so redundant and insane and time-wasting in our industry that... Why? And I love databases. I was like a database freak. I, 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 there, if I, anything I did, I turned it into a database. Um, that was my, my biggest passion. So I said, why isn't there an online database of everybody, not in your market, in everywhere? Why couldn't there be one place? Because as a CCIM, I had my CCIM people. As a CPM, we had our CPM people. And nobody mixed. It was like separate. Everything was separate. All of the, 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 the mailings were separate. Everything was separate. And it drove me crazy. I thought, there's not one place it's, you know, where we all can come together, no matter where we're from, California, Chicago. So I started thinking about that. And, and then I get this, this, someone just reached out to me on LinkedIn, who was this young 20-something tech guy out of the blue. And he said, I saw your profile. You are, you are an industry expert in, the, in, in commercial real estate. Would you mind letting me interview you? We're developing an application and we are clueless about the industry. And I thought, I was so intrigued by that. I couldn't even stand it. I went, <laughs> you're developing an application? You don't know anything about the industry? I, I was stunned. <laughs> I was stunned. I couldn't even believe it. He goes, would you mind being interviewed? I said, no, not at all. So he starts, he inter- so he sets up a time. I'll never forget it. And he starts asking me all these questions. And he was like flabbergasted. He goes, would you mind meeting us in person? Would you mind us sitting you down in front of a computer and us showing you what we've done? I said, no, I would love it. I would love to see what you guys are doing. This is like, Wow. I was so excited. I, I've never met people like this before. You know, it's like these young startup guys, you know, back then was like so unheard of, right? So I met them at a, at a public place, literally in a restaurant. And they sat me down in a laptop and they're walking me through this. And I'm just looking at this going, I said, this is like terrible. They're like, what? <laughs> I said, this is like, this doesn't even speak to me. I don't even know what you guys are talking about here. And they, and they couldn't believe it. So from that, that was the relationship that launched me, basically. Because I then got the door open to me to have all these resources and contacts and technology people and, you know, gave me the, the, the push to say, you know, you could do this. So we started, we formed a company actually with these guys and we started down this road and they just got bored with it. They got bored with it. They were too young. They were like, oh, no, we want to do something else. I said, well, see you guys. I'm sticking with what I'm doing. And that was the broker list. So, And what year was that? Oh, my God. Well, I met them in, oh, 
nine, I believe. I believe I met them in 09. And the broker list started, really started in 2011. So we're almost going to be 10 years old. So you are still in the middle of your brokerage career. You've met these tech guys and you've now been given the inspiration to create kind of maybe your Mona Lisa of a database, which is the broker's list. How did you right. um, get started? Did you hire somebody to code out a website? Did it start kind of as an email list? Like what is what did broker list look like in 2011 versus what it looks like today? Oh my gosh. Well, that is a fun, that is a great question. Well, first of all, I was I had I had retired from what I call my corporate life in 07. So I had just been doing from actually the end of 07. So it was like, oh wait, it's kind of funny. I think back on this, I didn't realize the time. I can't remember when I, if I've met those guys in 09 or 08. I might have met them in 08 because it was right after I retired from what I was doing. I was working for a small Chicago commercial real estate company. But anyway, so I I met them and then it's we started that. But once they broke off, the first broker list was just a was was so funny. It was just WordPress. And all I did was created a Google Doc and I said, This is the broker list. It was the same, you know, domain and everything. This is the broker list. Here's an embedded Google Doc. Please join the broker list, sign up, and anybody on the broker list can get the broker can get a copy of the broker list. I just was testing it. I just wanted to see would anybody sign up. And within, I mean, not even long, I had 500 people sign up. I went, oh my God, that's, that's it. I think this is a good idea. I mean, they were just signing up and then they're like, oh, can we have your broker list? Oh, can we have your broker list? I'm like, whoa, they want, they want this. They're hungry for this. this. I was right. And then you had, you had the people saying, oh, Linda, you're hurting cats. You're crazy. That's stupid. I said, well, okay, whatever. I didn't think it was stupid. No, most good ideas are misunderstood at the beginning. Right. So then I went on LinkedIn and I just started going to all these tech groups. And I started just saying, I have this idea. This is what I want to do. Because I kind of learned all this from these guys that I met. And I said, you know, I'm looking for a developer, you know, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden somebody responded. And he was out of, his name is James. He was out of Irvine, California. And he said, tell me what your idea is. What are you thinking? And I told him what it was. And he said, well, and we, we made a deal. I won't go into the financial side of it, but we made a financial arrangement and a, and a, and a deal on what we would do and all that. And he, he built the, the broker list, which is still the broker list today. And now we're going through a redesign because it's almost 10 years old. Our technology is very old, you know, considering today. And, you know, it's kind of time for us to do that. And we're kind of working on that now. But my point is that's that's our story. So you built it. Um, you've been iterating on it. How many brokers are on the list today? Eighty two hundred. And if, has that just been kind of organic growth, or do you continue to market yeah. it through LinkedIn and other channels? Well, it's combination. I mean, to me, organic is you know obviously organic means a lot of things, but we don't we don't really advertise per se, but we use social media. We use. Uh, all the SEO tactics you can think of as far as like being, you know, bloggers and blogging and reaching out to people, but it's all been done through just word of mouth and just, you know, talking to people. But remember, we only accept 
verified commercial real estate brokers, and that's the painstaking part. So our numbers aren't big because it's not a big industry, you know, when legitimately. And people come and go. They just come and go. I mean, people drop like flies in our industry. So, you know, people are constantly going into other things like, you know, I'm going to go into banking now or I'm going to start another business or whatever. So, you know, we lose people, we gain people. It's just kind of constantly changing. But we've always grown. So when you first signed on, you were just getting on so that you could download the list. But now now what do you offer brokers the ability to do besides just download the list? I see you have Marketplace oh, yeah. and several other things. Yeah, did did yeah, you just kind of keep asking for customer feedback and keep adding new kind of use cases for the site? Well, basically what we've been is really an open public place with no no paywalls of any kind. Everything on our site is open to the public. We don't make you log in. We, when, I, when I say they, I mean the public. We don't make the public sign in. Owners, bankers, anybody that has real estate can, can come to our site and search it. They can find a broker. The brokers have, they have three things that they can do. They can post unlimited properties. They can post unlimited I call them wants, but sometimes people call them needs. In other words, they're looking for something. They need something. And then the other th- is other thing is transactions. They can post closed transactions so they can show their credibility. They can say, I'm a broker and these are the deals I've closed. And then outside of the broker list, they can blog with us. So we have a lot of bloggers that have been with us since the beginning that create content and share content through our community. So those are the things they can do and they can they can have unlimited admins, they can have their, their company on there and all their team members on their company page as well as all their listings. And we're also a build-out partner. So they can syndicate from build-out to our platform, which saves them a lot of man hours and time because it's technology that communicates between build-out and our site, which is called an API. So they talk to each other. I love it. If this is maybe a a broad question, but you've been doing this now for 10 years. Do you have any stories of uh, maybe deals that have happened or things that have happened as a result of folks being on the brokers list that stand out to you? You know, it's funny. Well, yeah, I mean, I've I've had actual brokers say, especially some of my bloggers have said that they've made deals, you know, they've said point blank publicly and, and in writing, they said it, they said, I've made, you know, X dollars. I don't even remember over the years what it is. I've made deals because I'm on the broker list. And I and and people from time to time will send me an email and say, Oh yeah, I got, you know, this lead or that lead or whatever. But it's funny you you say that because I've been really bad about this. And someone I just did a webinar for actually uh Spiri Global Commercial. They asked me to do a presentation, which I did, and they're they're one of our corporate partners which we started that too, where we partner with the, with the whole organization. So we keep their brokers up to date on our site. And they jumped at that and said, oh my God, Linda, we want to do that with you. So we're, we're a corporate partner with them and they're fabulous and they're really trying to promote their brokers. But anyway, so one of their brokers said to me, Neil, he said, Linda, why don't you try to find out, you know, get people to tell you what deals have been done. And he just, he told me this, he said, you should do this and I need to do it where I need to go out and ask our members and say, Hey, everybody, tell me your story. Just like you just asked me, 
and start documenting them. I think it's going to make a fabulous blog series. Oh, I agree. I bet there's been some awesome things that have happened from those connections. Oh, staggering, staggering things. I mean, we, we've done so much just in just other crazy things that we've done. I mean, we do the DNA of theory survey every year with build out. It's our fifth year. This year we had almost, we were had like 898 respondents to our survey. I mean, we were just, we were just so pleased with it. And the survey the survey wins awards for its design and its and its creativity by the build out people because they're so good with graphics and design, and the content that the survey provides and insight into the industry is unbelievable, and we're proud of that. And we share the data with people, so people will then take our 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 survey data, the raw data, and do their own analysis, and then they'll write about it, and it just. It's wonderful. So that's something we've done that have just really been brought the community together. And then another initiative that we're known for is our Let's Get Social event we do every year at ICSC, which is just an absolute ball and, and just so much fun. And we bring everybody on social media together at a cocktail party, and it's just a blast. And those people have met so many people and have made long-lasting friends. And, and, and relationships that I know have, you know, brought people a lot of money. That's really cool. You started, uh, what started as a, a WordPress list with a, with a broker list has turned into a, a huge community. And that kind of leads me into my next question, which is, you know, you've seen these kind of businesses get created for all these niche, different communities. I guess my question is looking back on it, are there things that you did really right, and maybe some things that if you had done it all over again, maybe you would have done differently when you first started it? Well, you know, it's easy when you've done it for as long as I have to look back. So when I did it, I was clueless. I mean, beyond clueless. I had no, I had no idea what, I mean, I knew what I knew, but I didn't know anything about really having a technology business per se. It, which was good because you, if you know what I know now, you'd probably say, oh my God, that was the stupidest idea you ever did. Because look how many years I've done it. And it's funny that you asked me that because I have people that say, oh yeah, that's easy. I can do that. I'm like, okay, go ahead. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, go ahead, try it. I mean, see what you think. I mean, I wouldn't discourage anybody and anybody that asks me or comes to me and says, would you give me some advice? I give them the advice, but it's not pretty. Because I made so many mistakes. I mean, I've made a gazillion mistakes because I was clueless. I knew nothing. I knew absolutely zero, zero, zero. I knew about, you know, databases and stuff. And then I knew about my business, but I didn't know about the business of having an online business, if you know what I mean. It's different. And so I think the number one thing that, that is really important that I did right but I didn't know it. In other words, I just did it. I was just doing it just out of my background was just to keep building relationships. But I mean, that's common sense, right? But guess what? <laughs> a lot of te- technology sites aren't that way. Right. They're, they're not as much personal touch or relationship driven as they should be. No. And, and their founders wonder and say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not growing. And most of them go under. And so most of them go under. I mean, you have to, I mean, most of them fail because the truth of the matter is 
one thing I learned a long time ago is that, you know, in my business, it's, it's about people, period. I don't care if it's technology or not. And it goes back to what you said at the beginning. You know, you can't forget about that. That is critical. It's everything. And I think, you know, in a world where they're projecting that, you know, more relationships and more meetings and stuff will be done over a Zoom call, I, I just can't get behind it. I, I see relationships kind of, you get kind of zoomed out and it's hard to build a good relationship through a, a video share. And I think right. the folks that continue to move forward with in-person meetings are going to be even more kind of rewarded for doing so in, as we move forward. Well, I, I agree with you on that. I think right now we're in a stranglehold where we can't do that. But I'll tell you that, you know, over the years, I've made really, really bonded and tight relations with, with people, believe it or not, virtually. And now that's through through Twitter, through LinkedIn, through Facebook, not Facebook so much, believe it or not. Facebook to me is just so different. It's just like, it's to me, Facebook is for people that you already know, where Twitter and LinkedIn are for people you don't know yet, like strangers. I'm not, I'm in Instagram's okay, but it's just not the same as Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm a very big believer in Twitter and LinkedIn. They, they do work together well. And I think that if you're, if you're somebody that, you know, wants to talk and engage and, 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 and really get to, to get into knowing people. I think you can do that with Twitter and LinkedIn. And then when you meet them in person, it's like a, a reunion. Yep. It's like a family reunion. It's like, Oh my <laughs> God, I, we, we're finally meeting in person. And you're just like, it's like, you've known them for a hundred years. That's so true. So I'm not, I'm not going to say you just have to meet them in person because it is good to get to know them on social too. And then meet them in real life, which is so exciting. So, and that's been my experience. I, I've made so many dear, dear friends on LinkedIn from groups because groups were wonderful in the beginning. Groups were just staggeringly fabulous in the beginning. And then it kind of just kind of got old. It's almost like you said you're zoomed out. I'm zoomed out and, and I do a lot of Uber conference calls because I'm not big into the zoom stuff. I'm not in big into the, you know, having the video calls and all that, but I am big into having calls. Oh, I yeah. think phone calls are just as good as an intimate, you know, call rather than a zoom call. I mean, it's like, pick up the phone, the phone, you is know, and then still powerful. Yeah. Very. And, and another thing we do, which I really want to get on this, this call and promote is once a month, Every month, the last Tuesday, except in December because of the holidays, the last Tuesday of every month at two o'clock Eastern, we've been doing this since 2017. We have what we call a CRE marketing call. It's open to everyone, brokers, marketers, marketing directors, owners of companies. And every month we have a topic about marketing and we talk and we have a guest speaker. It is so wonderful. And we have a whole digest of every call we've ever done recorded so people can listen to those calls since 2017. And you and do you also have those surveys archived that you create every year? Yes. it's all, Oh, the surveys are yeah, absolutely. It's all online. It's all open to the public. It's right there for anybody to get. 
and I I can send you those links. Yep. So if you were a user, you would just be on the site, you know when the call is, and you can just register for the the call uh, the, the last Tuesday of every month. Right. We we actually started, believe it or not, we started just we just started this because of all that's going on in the world. We started a meetup group just for the CRE marketing call so people can register there. All the old timers know, you know, everybody that's been doing it knows it's the same place. It's always been the same place, the same URL. Everything's the same. They don't need any codes. It's super simple and super basic. And it's just a call. Now, if they want to listen, they can call from their car. They can call from anywhere. But if they want to see the screen because, you know, they're presenting something, then they, they can look at it on a computer. I would, lo- I would love to have been on some of the calls that you've maybe had over the last few months. Anything uh, stand out to you as to how people are marketing throughout COVID uh, and have turned, you know, lemons into lemonade? Well, I think, you know, that's a really, really good question. We are, we've had basically topics. So the call is about topics. We did have one call that was about the virus, but but most of them are a topic. Like this this one coming up is about you know t- taking your email, taking your contacts, and putting together real good strong email marketing campaigns with contacts. Like how to do be better at it. And then next month our our topic is a free free or dirt cheap theory tools. And that's, you know, timely because people don't have money. People are kind of struggling right now. But we're just kind of doing topics of things to kind of keep people's saws sharpened. The other thing we did do over the during the height of the virus is we did a a, a four part series called Rock Your Blog, which was incredible. And we did we kind of did like classes on from the beginning to advanced on, on blogging. And so we did that, which helped people kind of give them something to do when the virus was really at a tight and everybody was in lockdown. And, and again, that was all, you know, documented and, and recorded and, you know, people just, you know, it was, it was a, it was a blast. And then we gave everybody homework at, at the end of each call to go home and do, and then turn in their homework. And we had a lot of people turn in their homework and, have become bloggers as a result of the call. So it was exciting. That's so cool. When, when you do those, are those all free calls or do people pay to, to be uh, part of those? It's all, no, every, it's all free. It's all free and open to the public and open to all of our, our people. Anybody, anybody can get on. So pivoting just a little bit, you were the queen of office in Chicago for a long time. You know, we're in a work from home kind of remote type of world right now. Office is been given a lot of speculation as to what is going to happen uh, for an office environment going forward. Do you have any opinions on maybe where office will be in a couple of years? You think it'll all will have short memories and be back in the office? You think it's going to change? Like what what are you thinking about office? Well, I've in my in my lifetime, there have been this has been the ongoing constant threat hanging over office since as far back as I can remember. I remember in 1986, we did a study of the market and we said that, and you're going to laugh, our analysis, our analysis of the market at the time and the vacancy was that there was a 69 year supply of office space. That's a, it's hysterical. In other words, our calculation based on absorption at that time and the trends was that we had 69 years worth of office space in already built, which is hysterical. That's my point. It's kind of like 
really? You know, I mean, and this is constant. It, 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 I, I don't think office is dead. I think when all this blows over, it's probably going to come back stronger. I think that, you know, you said it, you said it and repeat again what you said. I mean, people need to be around people. I don't think that people, I mean, it's great to be able to work at home. Don't misunderstand me, but you need both. You need to have kind of the office environment at the center of the the workflow, whether, you know, a couple of days a week, someone's at home or remote being built around the office is, is important. Right. But I, I don't, I, I believe that companies should, it, depending on the kind of company it is, of course, should have flexibility for people because life is life. My examples are people with sick family members, people that have, you know, situations or maybe somebody works two hours away, but they're very talented. And why would you make them commute in traffic for two hours? I mean, to me, I think that for those reasons, people should be able to work remotely. Or if it's the kind of business where maybe you're a tech company and you really don't need an office, that's fine. But you're still going to have times where you guys get together or whatever. But I think for the most part, people like to be in teams and like to be around people. So I, I don't think office is dead. I think it's always been being said it was going to be dead. There's always been something looming over its head, threatening it, as far as I can remember from the, the beginning of my career. So it doesn't scare me when I hear it. I laugh at it. And I laugh at the, I, I laughed at the co-working stuff. I just hee-hawed at that <laughs> because we've had that since forever. It's called we've had, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and we had HQ. We we've had we've had shared office space as long as I can remember in my career. It's always been there. And back then we called it executive office space. And so now they have all this stuff and it's like it's new. It's like it's not new. It's just like, you know, they just put like a, a trendy vibe on it or they made it sound cool or whatever. But I mean, I think that still fills a need. I think some of these places have taken it like crazy stupid, like that kind of stuff is all trendy, but I think you'll always have shared office space. I think it fills the need and I think it's great. And I think it's fabulous for buildings because it was always our incubator for new tenants. Because when they went into the, the, the small spaces and they, they grew, they would come to us and say, oh, Linda, we're bigger now. Can, we need our own space. Go, oh, great. You're going to stay. Wonderful. Yeah, we love it here. We love this building. We want to stay. So we liked it for that. Yeah, I think a lot of the new age co-working is more of a marketing play than it is some revolutionary idea. You are a tech business, but you're not kind of a technical person per se. I'm assuming you don't have a staff of coders and engineers on staff. Like, how do you keep your for folks that have a website but you know don't have full time tech talent? Do you have like a part-time person or somebody that you can rely on to make updates to the site and kind of keep it where you want it? Yeah. And you know, it's funny when I started, you, you don't have what they have today. They don't, I mean, we have the, the codables today, the top tells there's, there's websites where you could go on right now and say, I need help with this. And you have a developer right there. Right now you can get anybody to help you. Now, I've always, over the years, have just made friends, just made acquaintances, made, found buddies and pals. It's just like what we were saying before, relationships, where you know somebody you could call and say, Joe, I'm in a jam. Tell me about this or tell me about that. And I've just built that over the years. But you just have to start with that. 
But I think once you start using these codables or the top tells or the different um, companies that are out there that give you developers just like instantly, it's phenomenal because you can try them out. You know, you can say, hey, I'm going to try this guy. He looks good. He's got a, a you know, a 5.5 star review. He's got 90 jobs he's completed successfully. I mean, it's all right there. So you can find developers and you can find the exact specialist you need. Because in technology, there is a specialist for everything. It's not what people think. People think that one programmer, I'll say programmer for lack of a better word, one developer knows everything. They don't. And usually they specialize in one particular thing they're strongest in just like a broker. You know, you could say, oh, this broker can do anything. Well, guess what? All they've ever done is office. Now you want them to do a retail deal? They don't know the market. So it's identical. So you, when you're picking technology people, there's some that are really good with SEO. There's some that are really good with um, graphics. There are some that are good with marketing. There's some that are just programmers. So all these facets, there's some that are good with video there's all specialists. And I think these websites that offer these platforms of choices of experts is phenomenal. I never had that because that's, you know, that's new now, but it's wonderful. You could hire anybody. You could have a WordPress expert. You know, you could have someone that just does databases. It's, it's great. So what do you, what's your goal with the brokers list is I'm assuming people probably ping you to try and buy it at times? And do you want to keep growing it? Like, what's the future of this business? Well, I think, you know, it's funny you ask. I think, you know, right now I'm at a place where we're getting ready to redesign and rebuild the site. I mean, using the same site, but I mean, just, you know, re redo it because it is older and it needs it. But I want to see it be the best it can be for what today's times are. That's just my own personal thing. And I think that I'll probably, you know, I think what will wind up happening is I'll probably meet somebody that'll have the same passion I do for the industry and the love of the industry and really want to see it go, go ahead and maybe, you know, work with them and, you know, maybe eventually phase out. I'm a lot older. So for me, it's like, you know, I've got to look at my retirement as well. Not that I'm, I want to retire because I want to keep working, but you know, it's kind of nice to have somebody like a legacy, you know, pass on your legacy to someone. That's my, my vision. I, I don't know who it'll be. I don't know what it'll be, but I think that's probably what'll happen. I don't think I'm just going to shut it off one day and quit. For sure. You know, I mean, yes, I, I do get offers. By the way, I do get offers. People do come to me, you know, and say, would you sell it? Or they make me an offer or whatever. And I've never found the right, you know, anybody that I, or any situation that I was willing to do that with. So, you know, it's like a baby. It's like your baby. You know, you just don't want to just say, oh, yeah, throw it away or, you know, just give it to anybody. I just wouldn't do that. Do you have any idea like how your business is even valued? Everything's free for the customer. I know you probably sell ads and uh, your corporate sponsors, but like how would even somebody even value your business? Well, you know, it's a good question. When you look, look it up on the Internet and search out. Uh, valuing. It's like my husband always said, you know, he doesn't even think to this day, Amazon has made money. I mean, so, you know, it's kind of tough with websites and technology companies because so many of them are like, you know, they can be really big and popular and have a lot of traffic, but they're, they may not have the, the, the sales that, that you, or the, the profit that people expect. So it's kind of tricky, but I look at it as, you know, if somebody wanted to start 
or if somebody had a site today or wanted to start a business in our industry today, you know, I wish them the best of luck with building a community that takes more work than hiring a programmer. That's how I, that's what I tell people. In other words, you can hire a programmer and have anything built, but now you've got to have a community to go with it. So and, and communities are relationships and people. And I think that, you know, the broker list does have a good name out there. I think a lot of people, you know, have a good feeling about it. We've, we've, we've strived for that. And so I think, you know, it's hard to value it, but I know if you wanted to say what it would cost a company to build that and to have that as a company, you could easily calculate what the marketing dollars would be. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. So they can say, okay, how do I acquire 8,200 customers tomorrow? So let them try. Or they could say, oh, you you know, your sales were only $100,000 or whatever it is. And that's so you're only worth X. It's like, you know what? You don't have a clue if that's what you think. (laughs) You know, that's my attitude. But that's because of, of what I do, what I've done. Yep. It's been 10 years of building this. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I have all the social media for everything. I, my na- I have the name on everything. I have all the major domain name extensions for the broker list and stuff like that. So, you know, I've kept up with that. And, you know, I think if somebody needed, needed that, I think they would, they would be smart because they, otherwise they're going to have to build it from scratch. Linda, you're smart. Well, not really. I'm just just common sense. <laughs> well, we're getting close to the end. I'm going to uh, switch to, to a few fun kind of personal questions uh, to, to bring it home, and then we'll be done. So what's the best advice you've ever been given? Wow. I've got so much advice I've been given. I would have to say the best, best, best advice was probably... Always remember that when you, when you meet somebody or talk to them, the, from the very first time you meet them, they always remember how you made them feel. And if you made them feel like, like bad, that's, that's all they're going to ever remember, ever. And if you make them feel good, that's all they're going to remember. I think that's very important advice in our industry. And I know a lot of people don't believe it, but I believe it. I can tell you, you, you are a person that probably puts on a very good uh, first impression. You seem like a very happy person. Well, you, it's just what I said. I mean, if you want people to remember you as an idiot or a jerk, <laughs> and that's how you come off, that's what they're going to remember you for if that's what you want. Yep. And they'll probably go tell 10 people that you're an idiot or a jerk. Yeah. And then, of course, always, you want to always do it right the first time. Oh, God, that's like, that to me is like carved in stone, especially in our industry. It's like, I mean, I know the pain. I know what what it's about. I know the work and the tedious work that's involved, but do it right the first time. Don't take a shortcut. It'll bite you. It'll get you. It will. It's better to maybe take a little bit longer to do something and do it right than to try and do it quickly and do it wrong. Right. Yeah, I could go on and on with advice because I've had some fabulous mentors in my career. We could do a whole podcast on just that. Mm-hmm. 
is there a book you've read or something that you've read along the way that really impacted you? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you can that's, just pick one. one. I know there's a lot. Oh my God. I'm trying to, Oh yeah. I, I have one for you. It's, it's going to sound, it's, 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 it's very, very old, 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 but I remember this feel the fear and do it anyway. Who's that by, or what's it about? Susan Jeffers wrote the book and it's called feel the fear and do it anyway. Feel the and fear I remember and do it early, anyway. early on in my career, some things were really like, I was scared about them or nervous or uh, whatever. I don't remember. And I, and I, and I'm one of those people that'll run to the bookstore and look for a book. <laughs> it's like, I got to buy a book about that. And I, and I bought that book and I'll never forget that book. And I've shared that book with a lot of people. And of course, anything that's um, positivity, anything about positivity, I think helps people. Anything that, that can inspire you to, to just try to think positively. I love it. I made a note. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order it on Amazon. Yeah. I don't know if it'll even appeal to you, but it's, that's the name of the book. Feel the fear and do it anyway. All right. My last question, which is an easy one. How can people reach the broker list or you, or how can people make contact? Well, they, they can go to the brokerlist.com and they can, they can just search the broker. They can just search probably broker list or the broker list on Google. And we're on all the social media. So you can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. I mean, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, I'm trying to, uh, TikTok, I mean, you name it, we're there. And obviously anyone can email me anytime they want, Linda at the brokerlist.com. And they can call too, which our number is what you called 312-212-3611. And we're happy to help you or find me on LinkedIn, Linda Day Harrison, if you just want to follow me or Day Harrison on Twitter as well. Linda, thank you so much for uh, spending an hour with me today. And it was a pleasure getting to know you and uh, learn more about you. And I'll be out in Vegas sometime. I don't know when, but when I come, I will, uh, I'll reach out and maybe we can grab a drink or something. Yay! Well, you're a sweetheart to even invite me. I'm so honored. No, it's, it was great. I've been following you for a long time and uh, finally said, I'm just going to uh, reach out and get to know Linda and being able to do it on the podcast was uh, special. Oh, you're so sweet. And, and, and good luck in Texas and stay cool if you can. Okay, I will. Um, <laughs> you stay well as, uh, as well and uh, hope to okay. connect with you again soon. Yeah, call anytime. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Chris here again. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts leave a five-star rating or write a quick review. Thanks again, and I'll see you on the next episode. Chris Powers is the founder and CEO of Fort Capital LP. All opinions from Chris and guests of the Fort podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Fort Capital LP. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for real estate or investment decisions. The Fort with Chris Powers is produced by Straight Up Podcasts.